0: On this episode of You It's The cold light of Watford Monday And a look back At Brighton Versus Watford Not a good look That's coming up Next on the Yuan's Podcast. Welcome to Yuan's. I'm Omar Moore, the host of the Yuan's Podcast, and thank you very much for listening. Watford fans, how are you on this Monday or whenever you're listening to this? Well, after this particular day, oh my goodness me, oh, this weekend has been, this past weekend I should say, has been, uh, well, we tasted defeat in the Premier League for the first time, did our Watford Football Club, with a 2-0 defeat at Brighton, which I will start to talk about in just a few moments. But I do want to say this before I get started. I hope that your trip to Brighton, those of you who went to the Amex to watch the game, was safe. I have been concerned, very much concerned, about the kinds of things that are going on with social media, regarding these really horrible chants that and, and horrible things that have been said on social media, homophobic things, and we've already, of course, got the racist things that get said on social media and a whole lot of other things, misogynistic things, and we really do uh, have to stand up and be counted and make it very clear to people on social media that there is no room for any of this anywhere. No room for racism, no room for homophobia and no room for misogyny or anything else like that. And we've got to drive it out of the places in life where it is, which is really everywhere, obviously. And I don't know, did anybody who went to Brighton hear any chanting going on in the stadium during the game? And was it from Watford supporters Did you hear it from Brighton supporters or was it limited to social media? Not that that makes it any better. It doesn't. Social media companies have to do a whole lot more as well. As we know, the Premier League has taken a stand against it, as have football players, particularly black football players, who have made it clear that there is no room for racism. The knee is continuing to be taken and it is something that I think is important to do and It is important for all of us to stand up against all forms of bigotry and hatred and to stand up against racism and to make it very clear that it has no place anywhere in our society and certainly not on football terraces or anywhere else. So, Watford fans, my goodness me, we do have to review this game. Oh, goodness, yes, we do. In the cold light of Watford Monday. And welcome again to You Orns, the podcast for Watford fans like yourself and like anyone who is interested in Watford Football Club and the goings on, on and off the field. First of all, I want to say congratulations to Watford Council and to Watford Football Club. And to those who participated in getting vaccinated this weekend at the Vic, it was a great turnout. Hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of people went to get vaccinated, children and adults alike. So I want to say a very good thank you and thank you and thank you to everybody who got vaccinated, who went to Vicarage Road Stadium this Sunday that just passed by and got vaccinated. This is very important in these times. And so I want to say all the way from here in San Francisco, California, thank you so much, Watford fans. Thank you so much, the people of Watford. And thank you to anyone who went to Vicarage Road Stadium on Sunday to get their vaccination. And also thank you to those at Watford Council and at Watford Football Club who put this all together to make this happen, make it possible. And it wouldn't have been possible, of course, without the people who did go and get vaccinated. It's so important that we do. So thank you very much to everybody who did. But this football match, oh my goodness, we've got to talk about this football match and get it out of our systems because literally tomorrow, 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 there is going to be a Carabao Cup match. That we are going to be shifting our focus and attention to. And I will get into a little bit of that. It's only Crystal Palace that we're talking about here. But we're going to talk about them. I'll talk about them in a few. But first, one of Crystal Palace's most bitter rivals defeated us yesterday. Or the day before, I should say. At the Amex. On Saturday. Brighton Hove Albion. Defeated Watford 2-0. And it was not a good game at all for the Orns. As Watford looked second best throughout the contest. Especially in the first half. They looked a step slow. They looked like they were still in the championship. They looked as if they were auditioning for championship football. But goodness gracious me. It's only August. We can't be talking about auditions for championship football in August. And uh, The Premier League did not see a Premier League game. It was really a game between a Premier League team and a Championship team yesterday down in Brighton by the seaside where many of the Watford players appeared to be during the game because that is where their mental headspace must have been because they played very slowly and very relaxed. In fact, too relaxed for a game of Premier League football, a high-intensity endeavour. Where from minute one to minute 95, there is action and movement and passion and endeavor and vigor. Relentless, constant movement. Watford were at the beach and it's too early in a season to be at the beach in the Premier League. You can't do that. And Watford got a lesson yesterday. Or I should say Saturday. They got an education on Saturday. Watford FC were given a tutorial in how not to play in the Premier League. As either a newly promoted team or any team. And I think, dear listener, uh, dear Watford fan, that Watford got found out yesterday. Brighton scored their first goal in the 10th minute. It was Shane Duffy rising to head a ball just ahead of Adam Messina into the roof of the Watford net. Not much that anyone could really do about it. I know it's a set piece and a lot of people will be upset and irritated that we have conceded off a set piece. But we do. We do that quite often, which is something we're trying to turn around and get right. But you could forgive the goal there. It's a really well taken header by Shane Duffy. He rises above, just gets a little edge on Adam Messina, heads the ball home, and a really good header, powerful header 1 0 Brighton and Hove Albion. And that was the goal that was the one that really ultimately would be the winner in the game. And it's interesting. The goals that Brighton scored were scored in practically the very same minutes that the goals Watford scored in their game against Aston Villa were in the first half of that game. It's strange how that happens in football, but it actually did happen that way in football because around the 41st or 42nd minute, Neil Mopé scored for Brighton to make it 2-0. And the previous weekend, of course, Ismail Assar scored in the 41st minute to make it 2-0. For Watford against Aston Villa. Oh my goodness. Isn't that game a distant memory now? It must be a very distant memory. For all of us as Watford fans. We have probably filed that game. Into the outer recesses of our minds. Or maybe we're holding on to that game. As the cherishing moment. That maybe the rest of the season is going to be. And I ultimately think will be. Because as I've always said here. And I've said on the YouTube channel at Uorns WFC, and you can search YouTube and search Uorns WFC to get to the YouTube channel for this podcast. What I have said in a number of videos there is that this is going to be a season of ups and downs. I've written this as well at the uornswfc.wordpress.com website. And I have said over and over that this is going to be a season like any other of up and down, roller coaster rides, up and down. And this is going to happen. Now, we are, as Watford fans, entitled to obviously react very viscerally to these games. But one of the things I do think is very important is that we do realize that Watford are going to lose some games this season, which I think we all know. And second of all, realize that some of the games that they are going to lose are going to be teams that we really shouldn't be losing to. And that is going to frustrate a lot of people who care about this football club. And we all care about Watford Football Club. We're all passionate about Watford Football Club. We all care about the success of Watford Football Club. So we all know that when the team does not play well or does not do well or does not win the game or does not pick up any kind of points at all, same thing as not winning the game, that means, I guess, losing the game, is that we're going to be upset about it, particularly if it's the manner in which we lose the game. Because I think for many Watford fans, I don't know, I shouldn't say many because I don't really know, I've not spoken to many Watford fans. I've spoken to a cross sample of them. But I don't know as a fellow Watford fan myself, I don't know how other Watford fans feel about this. But as you listen to this, how much did this Brighton game bother you? On a scale of one to 10, how much did this game bother you? One being you're not too bothered. 10 being you're really concerned. Where do you lie on that scale? And I know it's it's a numbers scale and numbers don't always tell the story. But I do want to know from you, as a fellow Watford fan, where your concern is after game two. And again, it's game number two. And I have said that you don't really evaluate this team properly until we get to game nine or ten. That's when we're going to start to find out what we've got for the remainder of the remaining, what, 28 games of the Premier League season. When we get to game number 10. After game number 10, that's going to be sometime in October. We are going to have a much better, a much firmer grasp of what Watford Football Club on the pitch is going to be looking like. And at that point, I think... All the evaluations that we give and provide are going to be ones to be taken a lot more seriously than, say, the evaluations that we're giving after game two. Although they are also to be taken seriously. I'm not saying that they absolutely shouldn't. I'm just saying that once you see more of this football team that you and I, that we all love so much. After game number nine and ten. We are going to definitely be more informed about the kind of things we see and the kinds of reactions we give. And that makes perfect sense, I think, in anything. But since we're only at game number two, (laughs) we have to look at game number two. And we aren't happy with game number two, are we now? Because the lads put in a shift. I think they put in a shift. But the body language says something very different. Especially in the first half. I think the second half was a bit better, but not nearly good enough. But the first half, there was no shift at all, really. Really. If I really should amend what I've said. But there really wasn't. They looked flat. The lads looked lifeless. The lads looked like they really were on the beach. At the Brighton Pier. On the pier at Brighton, which is not that far away from the Amex, by the way. And... I think mentally they were there. I think physically they were there, even though they had those resplendently beautiful red away kits that you love so much. Adam Messina had not got out of the gate and he was tormented all day the way that Matt Target was being tormented the previous weekend by Ismail Assar. But it was Leandro Trossard and others who were doing the business on Adam Messina that led to that Eventual first goal in ten in the 10th minute. And it was as it was. Messina looking for help. Messina looking at Ken Semmer. Who didn't seem to have a clue himself either. And there was no cover. No support. And defensively that's really the problem. Watford need more defenders. I've said this before. And on that first goal. And throughout that first half. We saw why they need more defenders. And all of this is going to be addressed by Gino and company over these next 10 days. And the storefront window will close very shortly. In fact, it's less than 10 days, isn't it? My goodness me. But the storefront window for the transfer market is going to close on August the 31st, around midnight or thereabouts, 11 p.m. or midnight, whenever it is, UK time on August the 31st. And by then, we will know what things are beginning to shape up like in terms of a squad, but we won't know about what we've got on the pitch until, say, mid-October, when we've gone to the 10th game of the season. Then we will get some rough assessment of what we've got and what we're working with and what the identity is on the pitch. But in game number two on Saturday at the Amex, Watford were very far away from what they were the previous weekend at home to Aston Villa. Very far away indeed. And, you know, I think one of the biggest reasons they were is the tactics and the formation that Sisko Munoz put out. Well, after the first goal was conceded and it was clear that Watford did not snap to attention and start to play more up-tempo football, release the ball quicker, move the ball faster, be more lively on the pitch, have more incisive passes after it was clear that Watford did not react well in the next 15 minutes after that 10th minute Shane Duffy goal to put Brighton ahead 1-0. I think the onus was on Cisco to absolutely change that formation and spark this team to life somehow. And if necessary, take one of the players off the pitch. And bring on a player that had a bit more energy and life. And I'm not even talking about cuco Hernandez. Cucho Hernandez, I will talk about in a few moments. But what I mean is. Someone in the back line needed to be replaced. And the person I'm thinking of is Craig Cathcart. Although again, you know, he has played in right back for a number of games. Not many. And he has acquitted himself well in those games. But I think that. He should have been substituted a lot earlier than he was. He was substituted in the second half of the game. He should have been substituted in the first half of the game, which he wouldn't have liked. But this isn't about what players like or love. This is about doing what you have to do for the best interest of Watford Football Club for the team. And so what you'd have to do and what Cisco should have done is roughly around the 30-minute mark when it was clear that his players had not reacted to that goal and were still very much on the beach, on the Brighton Pier, was to change that formation, tweak it in-game, and see how it goes for the remaining 15 minutes of the half, which in my view would have been, make it a flat back three, and move an extra uh, person into the midfield or holding midfield support, make it a five in the middle of the pitch, and then of, of that... Then maybe two roam around to join with the attack, or at least link up to it, and then play two up front. So you'd have a three, five, two formation. And then that five, maybe you could try to neutralize what Brighton were doing down the flanks. Because what Brighton were doing down the flanks was very effective, very effective. And Cisco did not change that for a whole half. So for me, I think that Cisco has to take major ownership of this defeat and put up his own hand and say, you know, I just did not have it right today. I did not have the shape of the team right after that goal. I had no problem with the starting lineup, although Lauzer just was, I think, overwhelmed having his debut in the Premier League. I think he just got overwhelmed. He was... Like everyone else, he took too long on the ball. And as you know in the Premier League, you cannot sit long on the ball. You do not have that kind of time as you would in the championship. And I think that the players were in championship mode yesterday. Um, On Saturday, excuse me. They were in championship mode. And that cannot happen again in the Premier League this season. Watford have to make sure that they remember where they are. And the players come out with some urgency. You cannot switch off in the Premier League. You have to stay switched on from minute one to minute 95. And the lesson that was learned on Saturday, I hope, for Sisko Munioff is that as a manager, you also have to be switched on for the entire game as well. And you have to be prepared to do in-game things, to change the tempo, to change the mentality, or at least to force a change in mentality. And you've got to do that in-game. You can't afford to wait until halftime to change the tactics. It depends, of course, on the situations. I understand that it does. But that game yesterday, or again, I keep saying yesterday, but that game on Saturday against Brighton had to be addressed in-game because Brighton and Hove Albion are not Manchester City. And if they were Manchester City... You might ride that out, but you might not. Because if you're down 3-0 halfway through the first half of a game against City, you're probably going to change your tactics. And you're probably going to do it in-game. And the fact that this is a game that I think Watford, on paper, could have won, or at least could have got points from, given Brighton's very poor home form over the last 12 months, is the thing that sticks in my craw even two days later on this Monday. Because I think... That had Cisco decided to change the formation at the back at least, and then push forward and make a three-five-two formation, take out Cathcart, put in Engagia at right back, make a tweak here and there. I think this game could have been salvageable at one-nil down because at that point, at the half-hour mark, Watford was still one-nil down. They had very little endeavour, very little tempo, and very little passion at all. And the passion only reached Watford on the field when Cucho Hernandez was subbed in to the game. And he started to create things. He started to open up the pitch. He started to cultivate something that more looked like an attacking Watford side, that more resembled one. And other players did the same. Cucho Hernandez is an infectious player. He is somebody whose drive and energy and passion and skill on the field transmits to other players. You could see it. And it was very, very clear. I guess the question now is to ask you if you think that Cucho Hernandez should be starting these games. I actually don't think he should be. I think he should come off the bench as he is. I think he provides a tremendous level of energy that is so important for the Premier League and will be key to Watford's survival in the Premier League. I've said, and I'm I'm going to say this all season long, I think Watford are going to finish mid-table 11th. That's my pick. I picked that before the season began. And even with the loss on Saturday against Brighton, I see no reason, even after two games, to bet against that. Now, what Watford must do in their game coming up, and I'll talk about it briefly, is to start better. Just the way they started at Vicarage Road the last time they were there against Aston Villa. And what Watford did not do on Saturday was start well. And what the manager didn't do, the head coach didn't do, was to adjust well. This was an education for Sisko Munoz yesterday uh, on Saturday. This was an education, right? This is an education in the Premier League. Not the game against Aston Villa, but the game that they lost on Saturday against Brighton. It is true that you learn more from your defeats than you do from your victories. And you learn more about when you have failed in life than when you have succeeded. And it's easy street when you succeed, when you win 3-2 against Aston Villa. It's easy street. But not when you're losing 2-0 at Brighton. A team I think Watford should have done a lot better against. I'm not suggesting that they should win the game, although I predicted that they would win the game. I am suggesting that Watford should have competed, at least competed with Brighton. And they did not compete with Brighton. And because the head coach did not do anything to rectify that until the second half began, the game was over in the first half. And that was really the end of the game. I mean, the first half was it. Brighton just sat down and sat in in the second half, created one or two chances, but really didn't do much to trouble trouble Daniel Backman in goal. And that really to me spelled the end of the game. That half was it. And Watford started to play, but it was all about too little too late, putting too many forwards on in a desperate attempt, did Cisco, to try to salvage and rescue something from a game that had been dead and buried, really, and done and dusted in the first half at half time. And so that's really where I stand here. Too many forwards on the pitch leaving a very vulnerable defense. Everybody trying to have a go and trying to score a goal that didn't get scored. And having four or five forwards on the pitch means nothing if you're not moving them into space and if they're not moving into space and if the ball isn't coming to them and if the ball isn't being moved quickly enough. It doesn't matter how many forwards you have on it. It doesn't matter which forward you put on. You could put on all kinds of people. The most legendary football forwards of all time. But if you are not spacing them, if you are not moving the ball to them, if you are not passing the ball quickly, and if the forwards on the pitch aren't moving to space, aren't running to space, aren't making space, aren't making themselves available to the ball, it means nothing. And I think Cisco stacked the deck when he didn't have to. when What he should have done in the first half of that game on Saturday should have been to... Look at that formation at the half hour mark of that game. It was clear that they had not reacted. The team at large didn't react and it was time for a shake up in game. Okay, we've conceded the one goal. Now let's do something to react to it. Okay, 15 more minutes have passed after that first goal. There's been no reaction. It's the same static play. Now I need to do something to tweak it. And so for the final 15 minutes of the first half, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make this a flat back three. I'm going to make this a 3-5-2. I'm going to put Ngakia in. I'm going to take off Kafka. And I'm going to see what happens for these 15 remaining minutes of this first half. And then after that, if something happens or if it doesn't happen, at halftime in the team talk, I'm going to say this, this, and this to them. And I may make an adjustment here or not, or I'm going to see how this plays out. That didn't happen, and I think that's the biggest reason why Watford lost this game. I really do. I think this one is on the manager. There's going to be five or six games during a given season. I don't care if it's Premier League, championship, League one, League two, League A, la liga, Bundesliga. Era divise I don't care which league in the world it is. There's going to be five games in a season where it's down to the manager, where the manager is having an off day. The manager's tactics are wrong. The manager's starting lineup is wrong. There's going to be five of those games every season. Watford are going to have a few more games where the, either the starting lineup isn't right or the tactics got wrong. That is just something that's going to happen. Now, the trick is to try to minimize that. And the players are going to have to do a whole lot better than they did. There was only three players I think of right now that really did put in some kind of effort. One of them was Kucho when he got subbed on, obviously. One of them was Etebo, Peter Etebo, in the holding role in midfield, who I think has been really good in these first two games. And the third player, I think, who did look good and gave you something to think about was Josh King. Joshua King. The former Bournemouth striker who was signed by Watford, um, I think in July, has shown you in the 15 minutes that he was on that he had hunger, that he had amounts of enthusiasm and passion for the game that will serve Watford very well this Premier League season. He looked fresh, he looked dynamic, he looked like he was wanting to be a part of this Watford side and he wanted to be a part of... Uh, a very good so far signing period for Watford, and he looked really good. He looked apart on Saturday at Brighton. Perhaps Cisco has to do something with that lineup, or maybe he doesn't. Maybe what Cisco has to do is in-game management. And I know, I look, I know he in-game manages. Of course, he does. Any good manager should be doing that, and Cisco is a good manager, good head coach. I just really do not want to see what happened at Brighton happen again. I don't care whether it's at Liverpool, at City, at Tottenham, who they're playing next in the Premier League. But you can't do that again. You can't let these players, if they're not playing well, just sit in the same doldrums for an entire half and not do anything to tweak that. You've got to do something to change that. You can't give them a half. Again, it's kind of like the manager dwelling too long on a game. I talked about how you can't dwell too long on the ball in the Premier League. Well, I think the manager dwelled too long on the game that he had in front of him in the Premier League on Saturday at Brighton. And because Cisco did that, it hurt. It, it absolutely was a, a a result that that really hurt for Watford. But again, it's game number two. The world has not fallen off its axis. It's not... Stop spinning off his axis yet. And there are still 36 more of these games to be played. There are going to be some wins. There are going to be some losses. There are going to be some draws. There are going to be angry and irate. And rightly so. Angry and irate Watford fans. When the team is not doing what it's supposed to be doing. We are a demanding lot, you and I. And we have every right to be. Because we've spent oodles and oodles and oodles of money to watch this club, to support this club, to be part of this club, to get behind these lads. And so we want to see something that pleases us, that leaves us with a sense of satisfaction and fulfillment at the end of a long work week, at the end of a difficult week. We want to see our lads perform and perform well. And so we did not get that on Saturday at Brighton. But I think we're going to get that not only on Tuesday against Crystal Palace in the Carabao Cup at the Vic, but I also think we're going to get that on Sunday. Sunday, August the 29th against Tottenham Hotspur at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I think you're going to see a more dynamic and purposeful Watford I'm going to be talking about the Crystal Palace game in particular, and that's coming up in the next segment of you <laughs> Welcome back to the Yawns Podcast. I am Omar Moore. And now a look ahead to Tuesday's game against Crystal Palace in the Carabao Cup. Watford Football Club will kick off against Crystal Palace on Tuesday, August the 24th, 2021 at Vicarage Road. Watford played Crystal Palace a few days ago, earlier in the month of August, in the pre-season, in a game at Selhurst Park. Watford were defeated three goals to one on the day, and are hoping for a very different result in the Carabao Cup. This cup will be something of a marker for Watford. Of course, their first and foremost goal is to survive in the Premier League for this campaign. Anything beyond that, of course, is gravy. And this cup competition will at least produce and pose a challenge to see who amongst Cisco's men are fit for the cup and up for the cup. Chances are that in the game tomorrow, you will have a starting lineup that includes Troy Deeney. Troy Deeney is most likely to start as the number nine for Watford, at Vicarage Road. And expect to see. Francisco Cierralta. In the starting lineup as well. There's a very good possibility. You may see other people. That you haven't yet seen. This season. Like Jeremy and Ngakia. At right back. You may see Kiko Femenia. Although he was not in the squad. Named to the game. On Saturday. Against Brighton. But there are going to be wholesale changes for sure in this particular Carabao Cup lineup that you didn't see in the Premier League games or from the Premier League games. I think that's very clear. That's why you have a squad that Watford have amassed thus far. They've signed something like 11 or 12 new players and there are more new players to come, particularly in defense. I think the Carabao Cup game against Crystal Palace will provide opportunities for distractions, certainly from the game that we lost to Crystal Palace's bitter rivals, Brighton and Hove Albion, and also a way of looking to see what the squad looks like on the pitch, the rest of the squad. You know, those who haven't played yet. And as I've said earlier in this episode, we won't really know what Watford Football Club looks like on the pitch, Until we get to the middle of October and game number 10 of the Premier League. By then, who knows what we will see. There are still more new signings to be signed. And of course, there are some new signings who haven't yet made their debut at Watford on the pitch in the Premier League. Including most recently, Ozan Tufan. Who will of course be a key addition in the midfield of Watford. Which is a very crowded midfield already. And the squad will get trimmed soon. And then we will find out who is in and who is not. And the Will Hughes situation is one that still hovers over Watford. And now it's become an albatross on Watford Football Club. And it seems now that Will Hughes, at least as of this podcast recording, is closer than ever to a Watford exit. That will frustrate a great many of Watford fans who have enjoyed the play of Will Hughes and was very much treated to a player who gave us all for Watford and who is a really stand-up guy as well. I've heard reports about Crystal Palace. I've heard reports about Newcastle. I've heard reports about those two clubs, more Crystal Palace than Newcastle these days. But we shall see where Will Hughes ends up. It seems that he, as I have alluded to in these last couple of episodes of this podcast is closer than ever to saying adios to Watford Football Club. When and if the exit of Will Hughes occurs, there will be much more in-depth conversation about it here. And a chance to really go through what the story is. And I'm sure there will be people like Adam Levenfall who will provide additional background as he already has done in some of these instances, particularly around Will Hughes. Now, if Will Hughes is going to Crystal Palace, that it would be very interesting, and I doubt that this would happen, but it would be very interesting to see if he would even be in the Crystal Palace squad or lineup for the game tomorrow, which I doubt because obviously Will Hughes, as of this recording, Has not gone off to Crystal Palace yet. Or at all. He's still a Watford Football Club player. And until that changes. Whether he's in the under 23s. Or whether he is in the first team. He's still. Under Watford Football Club. A player for Watford. But it would be something if Will Hughes did sign for Crystal Palace. Of all the teams that you would not want him to sign for, Crystal Palace is one of the two teams. The other one, obviously, is Luton Town. But at least at Luton, he'd be in the championship. (laughs) So, you know, maybe there's a third team, Bournemouth. At least at Bournemouth, he'd be in the championship. Out of sight, out of mind. But Will Hughes has been a stand-up guy. Now look. The contract negotiations are what they are. And I do not know what they are. Nor does anyone except for those who are directly involved in them. Unless those who are directly involved in them. Have leaked or disclosed information. To people. Who are writing about Will Hughes. I mean it's as simple and obvious. And as obvious as that. We shall see by the time... The next edition of the Euros podcast comes out. Well, Hughes may well left may well have left Watford. You know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. We'll only be able to know how Watford look, and you know, when we get to August thirty first, at least how they look in terms of on paper how they look but we won't know how they really look on the pitch until we get to, say, sometime in mid-October. And that really is what we have to focus on as well. Whether it's with Will Hughes or whether it is without him. I think Watford obviously would be better off with Will Hughes, no matter how many signings they make in midfield. But the fact of the matter is, there is a business component to this game that looms very large indeed. And clearly Watford have made it very clear what the parameters are. And Will Hughes and his team around him have made it very clear that they are not happy with those parameters. And you and I and other Watford fans can go on Twitter and beg Will Hughes all we would like, but we don't know what the contract terms are unless Adam Leavenfall knows in some way, shape or form. But we don't know. I don't know. I can tell you that. I'll just speak for myself. I don't know what the contract terms are. But all I can tell you is, is that if he's not happy with him, there's no way on earth he's going to sign. Now, again, if and when Will Hughes leaves, there will be much more on this particular scenario and what happened, how it unfolded, and any additional information that I can get. In the meantime, the Crystal Pass game on Tuesday, August the 24th provides a distraction from the stuttering game at Brighton. And I mean by that the poor performance at Brighton. I don't want to sound like I'm insulting people who stutter, but I should say that the word is the very poor performance at Brighton and also poor from the view of Cisco Munoz as well as how he executed the game plan for that game in-game. Again, he had a lesson and he learned it, and I think he got taught a good lesson there on Saturday, even though it was not fun to watch. The Crystal Palace will provide a very good distraction. I think there will be motivation from some of the members of the Watford squad who have not yet featured or featured in a prominent way. You could see Josh King playing a more substantial role. Perhaps his appearance in the game on Saturday at Brighton was a preview of him starting in the game against Crystal Palace. We shall see indeed if that is the case. Maybe we will see more of Ashley Fletcher. Fletcher has not featured in the Premier League thus far, And perhaps maybe Ashley Fletcher will be part of the proceedings against Crystal Palace on Tuesday. You can expect that Crystal Palace will be playing a team that does not resemble the two games that they have featured in. Palace, by the way, have yet to score a goal in the Premier League this season. They have one point from their first two games. They will be bringing that into this Carabao Cup game. And, of course, their brand-new manager, Patrick Vieira, the former Arsenal midfielder. It'll be very interesting to see how this one goes. It's going to be a completely different game, obviously, from the preseason game that was played roughly, what, just over two weeks ago now. And it's going to be a game that provides some very interesting views and insights and reads for how we assess what Watford are looking like in the games where other squad members are playing. Will we see Domingos Kina in this game? Will we see Jeremy Ngacki, as I mentioned earlier? I think there's a good chance we will. Will we see Craig Cathcart revert back to his customary centre-back role, his central defence role in that Watford back line? Which formation will Cisco play? Will he revert to the 4 3 3 formation that he started Brighton against Brighton with? Or will he go with a 3 5 2? Part of the game of football is to be able to match up and play systems at a moment's notice, to match up with what's not been matched up with, and to put that right on the field in game or at half time, depending on the situation. And whether it's Crystal Palace tomorrow night, or whether it is Tottenham Hotspur on Sunday, August the 29th, or whether it is some other team, Cisco Munoz will have to improve upon that in the Premier League and in these games. Because the Premier League is not only a test for players, it is also a test for the manager or the head coach. That concludes this edition of the You Ons podcast. I am Omar Moore. Thank you so very much for listening. Remember, you can go to Twitter Spaces after almost every Watford game and join me there at You Ons WFC on Twitter, at Twitter Spaces, on Twitter Spaces and participate in post-match reaction and conversation. I will spend a few minutes, maybe between... 15 minutes and half an hour, depending on the participation and the attendance, talking about what we have just seen or heard with these games. Certainly after every Premier League game and after the Cup games as well, where that is available. Don't forget to follow Uorns on Twitter at uornswfc. WFC. That's Y-O-U-O-R-N-S-WFC. The same is true on Instagram. And you can search Uwarns WFC on YouTube and on Facebook. It's twitch.tv forward slash WFC. And of course, this podcast can be heard on Spotify, Apple, Google, and numerous other places where podcasts can be found. And don't forget to shop. Yuarns merchandise there's some hats being added and there are other items coming very soon indeed so be sure to go to the Yuarns merchandise store at uarns.com Y-o-u-o-r-n-s.com. That that is all for now on this edition of Yuarns and until next time and thank you for listening until next time. Yee-oh.